We often hear people wishing us a long, happy, and healthy life. But what if the length isn't what matters most? What if instead, it's the breath, depth, and purpose of each day that matters most? Welcome to the Live the Width of Your Life podcast. My name is Annette Ardellian Kuzma, and join me weekly as I interview guests who make changes in their own lives to live more fully with intention, gratitude, and joy. Be prepared to be inspired by their stories of how they shifted their mindset, took courageous action, and designed the life that they always wanted to live. Today's guest is Jessica Baker. Jessica is a workplace strategist, people's ops mentor, career coach on a mission to create workplaces and careers that people love by bringing unconventional thinking to the world of work. She spent the first 13 years of her career advancing up through marketing, digital transformation, and product management to then realize that people and culture was her passion. Jessica then successfully designed a career pivot into people and quickly progressed to the head of people by leveraging her business leadership experience and innovative product-centric approach to designing workplaces that people love. Jessica found instant success in elevating the value delivered to both employees and the business, but then began to internally struggle with the hidden trappings that working in people and HR can bring such an organizational loneliness, stereotyping, double standards, and imbalanced leadership dynamics. And in seeking out external support, she was grossly underwhelmed by what was available. It was this experience and a desire to continue to change the world of work that she reinvented her career yet again as an entrepreneur. Now, Jessica's work includes advising companies on how to build workplaces that people love through her productized approach, mentoring people, practitioners one-on-one, and supporting her community, People Posse. Separately, Jessica also supports ambitious professionals through the career discovery, personal branding, and transformation process, as well as invests in nurturing her own passion projects, which include writing and community development. Outside of work, Jessica's a lover of tacos and spicy margs, an owner of an obscene number of motivational notebooks, a sucker for brightly colored fashion, cooks as a creative outlet, and is a proud boy mom. Welcome, Jessica, to the show. Hi, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining today. Yes, I'm so excited to be here, Anita. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. Um, for those of us, those of the folks that know us know that we used to work together for a few years and then I left and you've left, but actually we haven't had an opportunity to catch up or connect. Mostly I just know what I know about you from LinkedIn. So I'm excited today to learn personally everything that you've been up to, but also to share your story, which I know is inspirational to this audience. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, So I would love to always start a little bit with the background. So for people that don't know you, share a little bit about kind of your background, who you are, what you think is relevant about your background as it pertains to then when we talk about where you are today in your life. Sure. So I usually just uh, start out with a quick one-liner, which is like, I'm a former product leader turned head of people turned coach and advisor. Um, but really my, my backstory is I spent a little over a decade uh, really building a career around uh, digital marketing and digital transformation and, and really have some unique opportunities to co-found an agency and I did digital marketing for LeBron James. And I had been uh, mentored to really kind of uh, want a role of the COO. And so, 
he had recommended that maybe I go into product management. I had no idea what product management was, but it was digital in nature. And I thought that was in my wheelhouse. And I was like really good at uh, learning new fields and, um, and, and being able to bring kind of my, my, my background to, to the table. So I got into product management. I fell in love with product management. I just loved the craft. It was a very new field that was coming up. Um, so it was a place for me to learn something new and then being able to bring it into an organization that was still really trying to build this, this discipline. And um, I, I loved it. And that was really uh, an opportunity for me to kind of take that role to the COO type role to like an early to mid-stage startup. So I could clearly see how that was going to transition into that. So I had like one track going on. But what a lot of people don't know is that I kind of had this like secret other track that was going on um, that I always like to tell people it's almost like I had an unofficial other job that I wasn't getting paid for until later on in, in my career where I just um, was, was so passionate about helping other people love the work that they did to help them overcome the challenges that they were facing in work so much so that I would spend nights uh, building workshops, redesigning onboarding programs, um, coming up with a new performance management framework, just because I really felt so compelled to make work better for everyone and lead that change. And, and no one was doing it. And, and so I was lucky enough to work for companies and leaders who trusted me um, to do that work alongside the other work that I always did. And um, it worked for a while. I was, I was juggling both, but there really came a point in time that something had to give. I was uh, burning out. I was working nonstop. And at the same time, I was falling um, kind of out of love of the work that I was doing because it was just so much. And so I really had to do some hard soul searching. And I made the decision to leave the, the, the product management world behind and move into uh, people and HR and take what some people are calling a career limiting move um, to go into to that space within an organization. But for me, I just saw something. I saw a way to marry my business background and my love for product management and apply it just to uh, a different space within the, the business and to really start creating workplaces people love um, and helping them you know, create careers they loved. And so I kind of went down that path. I, I quickly moved into a head of people role at a company. Um, I had some really high highs. I was able to create some really great change at scale, um, but I was also feeling some really low lows. And I think it's also good to talk about sometimes when you kind of go all in on something, it may not be exactly what you thought it was yeah. going to be. And so I was experiencing a bit of, of those lows. And um, again, I'm, I'm really good at recognizing when I'm starting to feel that way and do some, some soul searching to figure out what was missing. And it was really around this other calling, I guess you say, I, I had around designing my career around the life that I wanted. Um, so I had traded for a different type of impact 
but I was still running myself really, really thin. And that wasn't the type of life that I wanted to live. So yeah, about a year ago, I was only a year into kind of this head of people role where I said, you know what? I think I need to go off and start my own business. I really want to become a life coach in the future. I need to start doing that work now. Uh, I called my husband and said, I'm going to quit. And he said, finally, because he had been telling me for years that I needed to go off and do my own thing. So I'm very grateful. I had a partner who was supportive in that. And yeah, it's been, it's been a year. It's been a blast. I've been exploring every facet, both of myself um, and in ways in which that I can add value to others. Oh my God. I love the story. And so I have so many questions. So the first one I have is when you worked at these organizations, it sounds like people recognize you have this passion for HR, for people, for creating new programs, um, onboarding, performance management, like you said, really the entire life cycle of an employee's journey. Um, Were there not roles internally that were doing something similar or was there, was it too, were you ahead of your time? Do you feel like for what you were trying to do within the organizations you were at? So it's funny enough. And it was, I was probably about maybe 10 or so years into my career when someone made the recommendation, you should go into HR, HR. And I laughed. I, I, I was like, do you know who I am? Again, I could do that work on the side, but like I uh, saw myself as such a more of a strategist, a business strategist, an innovator, even like wanting to be seen as what a COO might be seen like that I really rejected this idea of moving into that space. And I think we all can recognize that HR hasn't always had the best reputation. And so I really struggled with that. So I actually kept pushing it off and not entertaining it um, until later when it got to the point where I was having those hard conversations with myself, like what is missing? What is it? And I then at that point was like, oh, I'm thinking about it wrong. I was thinking that I had to change who I was, change how I operated, change it how I think to do that work. When in fact, that's actually the secret sauce. It's the fact that I can bring this unique way of looking at the workplace and the problems we face, like just with this this, this new lens. And um, it's once I had kind of that conversation with myself and I surrounded myself by coaches and mentors and peers that I really respected and valued their opinion. And when I started really bringing this conversation to them, it it helped open up my eyes a bit more to how these worlds could come together. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how we sometimes don't do what we know or think that we should be doing because somehow the perception of it isn't, doesn't match. Right. So, so often, did you find yourself early in your career? um, I know this happened with me where I had certain expectations around what success looked like or what I should be doing. And even just landing in the different roles. um, Like you said, sometimes you're like, Oh, I didn't necessarily see this for myself, but I can do this. And it feels pretty good. But 
I always had a little bit of a nagging feeling like there's something still not quite right. Just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should be doing it. So do do you feel like you experienced that throughout your career as well? Yes, I think that that's, um, you know, I definitely felt as though I was molding myself or shaping myself to what success looked like or what it was supposed to look like. Um, and that's very hard too, especially when you are being praised for some of those things and people see you like that's what you're known for so when you want to say oh well i want to go over here and do that's like but no 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 you're, you're really great at that you know like that's going to get you to the top you know type of thing and you're like oh okay like wait is is that what i'm supposed to be doing um right. and i had there i had a really great mentor in my life who challenged me to redefine what success was to me and I loved this just, it was a conversation we were having and, you know, we started out with what does success mean? And then she said, what does it really mean to you? And then was it really, so we were doing like that why, that deep, like, but why, what really? And when we got down to it, she said, you know, like, that's your definition of success. That, it, oh, and, and for me, I wrote down on a piece of paper and it's really what I talk about now all the time when it comes to success is success is beyond the table. Like at that time, we were really being conditioned to think that success was earning a seat at the table and having a seat at the table. And um, I was doing all the things to do that. And once I had that realization that no, success is beyond the table, I define what success is. And I started really being intentional about putting those things down and starting to, to act on them and to start being more of who I was, because that's what I had defined success as being so unapologetically me that I I couldn't go back anymore. And it was kind of like yeah. a slow, I feel like, reveal over the last, say, five to seven years to get me to where I'm at. And again, I'm not still not fully where I want to be, but <laughs> it's, it's that um, it's a new path, I guess, to, mm -hmm. to what success is. Oh my God. It's such a good exercise. I do that with my clients as well is a lot of times people say, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm going to stay where I am. But when you do the work to figure out the focus and you get the clarity on what it is, I always say, once you do that, it's so much easy to figure out then what you do next. It's the reason many people stay where they are is they don't necessarily have the clarity of really what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like you and I both experienced that. So tell me about this passion of yours. So you have this passion for people, you have this passion for productive and really um, strong work environments. So where do you think that comes from? And tell me a little bit more about your business and how you're able to bring this to organizations. Yeah, so I I think for the longest time, I really didn't know. Um, and, and until I was really deciding whether this is something I wanted to move forward with, I had to do a lot of that, that deep work to figure out like, where does this really come from? Because I, you know, I didn't have big plans for myself going, you know, growing up or, or in college about what I wanted to do. But once I got into the workplace and I realized that everyone didn't like work, didn't see it as <laughs> an opportunity to, to, to grow and they were stuck. I was like, why is it that I don't have those same thoughts? Like I see it as a self-expression. I see it as it matters. And I think it really goes back to growing up. 
work wasn't like some four letter word in, in my household. And I had really great uh, role models to look to. I had, you know, my father who I feel like has had, uh, you know, a million different careers in his lifetime. And he kind of just showed me that like, your career is a place you can be proud and you can bring all of who you are and it's a craft. And then I had my mother who was demonstrating, um, designing her career around the life she wanted. She intentionally took roles in ways in which she could be, um, show up as a mother. And um, that really stuck with me, even though at the time it, it wasn't something I was aware of. When I look back, I think that that's a lot of where it starts from. So it's just something that I, I and I have zero um, patience for like not taking action if something isn't the way you want it to be. Like if, if, if you don't love your work, you don't love your job, if you don't love your manager, if you don't love, change it. And so um, what I found was a lot of people didn't operate that way. So I just felt, I really did. I was like compelled, like, well, then if no one else is going to do it, I'll do it. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and so I, I started there and I just think over time I saw the impact. And I think that's the, the other unique thing about being in the people space, especially when you're working in an organization, you see the impact of the work that you're doing. So when you create a really great impactful team building um, day, you see the impact of that. You see the impact every day as you walk the halls or now, you know, hopping onto a, a virtual Zoom. <laughs> right. I mean, you get to see that. And so I, I loved that part. I loved being able to see the work I was doing, the impact it was making every day around me. And, and when I decided to move out on to my own, I always knew a portion of what it was I was going to be doing was related to work. Um, not only because of, of that passion, but I did see that I had a unique view on how we could think about work um, and operationalize um, the actual like function of, of people ops or, or people teams, you know, with this kind of product mindset. And, and yeah, it's, it's been very, very fulfilling, both again as that second job kind of coming up throughout my career and now kind of being the springboard into into a pivot. Wow. And who do you find are the companies um, that are most receptive to what it is that you have to offer? Are there certain types of companies or sizes or industries that you find are mo more progressive or that are really aware or invested in changing the culture when it comes to their people? The the ones that come top of mind for me, especially because of the approach that I take, which is around, you know, applying product thinking to the workplace. So thinking of the, the workplace as a product, product and technology companies, um, you know, they 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 get it. I you know, whenever we're having conversations and I bring up this kind of way of thinking, they're like, why didn't we think about, about that before? Like they kind of get it. Right but they don't know how to implement it or their people teams just aren't familiar with that way of thinking or operating. Um, I do think though, still now we do have organizations who are larger and bigger and they're starting to see that the, the new North star of kind of people teams needs to be, we need to build workplaces people love. Um, and, and I think they're starting to get it. I 
they're just a little bit slow to actually adopt an act. Whereas the, the product and technology companies or the software companies, right, they're ready. You know, they're willing to try things tomorrow. Um, whereas the others, as, as you and I both know, being in the corporate world, it's a lot bigger and a slower process um, for that. Right. Well, and with greater implications, right, and more complexity. Um, so were you, I know we talk about the, we read articles all the time about the great resignation. We see the numbers. We see that more people are leaving and they're starting maybe their own businesses or doing something else. So um, one, was that a surprise to you? And two, how do you feel that that helps your message of what you're trying to do with these organizations? I, I don't think it was a, a surprise. Obviously, we say like the pandemic really just accelerated um, something that was brewing. Because in, in what I'm noticing, I think this across kind of the, the employee base, but especially some of the younger generations, um, they are very aware of, of the trappings, right, of a career and of work and the impact that that can have on their life. And they have a greater sense of agency over it. And and I think what we were starting to see is that's kind of coming across everyone is feeling like, okay, like, I don't have to work here. I don't have to be miserable. I don't have to work 70 hours a week. Um, I can take ownership over my career and what I want. And I can be um, brave enough to ask for what I want. And that's really where I when I'm talking with companies, that, that I'm, I'm highlighting that. And, and the reason why I highlight that is because most companies experienced that 15, 20 years ago when we saw the same thing start to happen when, on the business side, when we started noticing it was like the age of the customer, right? The, there was a customer obsession. And it was like, because customers started feeling like they had a voice, they had control over choosing who they wanted to work with. Um, they had the ability to influence what businesses did through social media. And so I often like liken it to that because that's the same thing that I feel like we're starting to see in employees is that that's the impact they're having on businesses and in workplaces today and why we as people leaders or as founders, CEOs, executives need to start looking at it in that way and, and, and think about how we're designing the workplace to solve their problems, their needs, and how do we, you know, kind of delight them much like we did 15, 20 years ago with, with, with customers. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Great connection there. And I, I always feel like people are awakening to their power and um, it's a recognition like, Oh, I can decide that this doesn't necessarily suit the life that I want to live. And let me do some work on figuring out what does work. So you've mm -hmm. used the phrase a couple of times and you even said your mom did the same thing. And I know something that's near and dear to my heart is designing a life, an integrated life is what I always say, where you do things that you're passionate about and you also live the life and all the thing, other things outside of work that you're passionate about in a way that works. So what did that look like for you? And uh, is that something that you've fully figured out? Or are you still working through it? So I, um, having, again, come from a, a product management background, when I was really kind of doing a reassessment of of my life, I applied like design thinking methodologies and I 
really sat down and said, like, what's the vision for my life? And I was um, doing a lot of exercise. Like, what is, you know, what does a day in the life of Jessica look like in X number of years? Um, and when I was doing those exercises, I found myself wanting to spend more time with my family and having more time for my passion projects. I, I love writing. I have, you know, future plans of, of writing more. And so I saw that, but when I looked at what my life looked like day to day, like it didn't look anything like that. And so I really sat down and started to design what type of career could I have that would allow me to live the life that I want. And I'd always planned on eventually having like that lifestyle career or like the portfolio career where I'd go and start my own business. I'd be a life coach. I'd, you know, maybe, you know, start teaching yoga. Like I, you know, something. Um, but I always thought it was a lot farther away. And so when I went through that exercise, I started to really ask myself, like, what's stopping me from let's like pulling that goal forward and just saying, well, I only want to work, like work to where I, I feel like I'm making money for 20 hours a week. What would that look like? What else could I do with my time? You know, and I, I, I planned it all out. And that's really what was the, you know, when I, when I left, it wasn't just to have a greater impact on the world of work and have greater impact on people's lives to help them live, you know, better at work and life. It was because I also wanted that life and I wanted to start living it now and not wait. And so that's, out of the gate. I didn't try to work 60 hours a week. And I know that a lot of people talk about, you know, when you're starting your own business, it's the hustle. And I didn't want that. I wasn't trading. Like they say, I'm not trading working, you know, 60 hours for someone else to just go work 60 hours for myself. Like, no, no, no. Like that's not what I wanted. And so I was really um, intentional about how I designed my time. I was really intentional about setting what success looked like um, and balancing that with both the, the work work and, you know, being a better mother, being more present, spending time writing, you know, mm-hmm. working out every single day, those types of things. So I yeah. was very intentional about designing my time. I think it's amazing. And it shows a lot of restraint. Um, I know personally, for me, it took me probably a couple of months to completely detox and sort of um, train myself out of working as many hours as I was. There was a funny quote I read the other day. It said, entrepreneurs are the only people who would work 80 hours for themselves so they don't have to work 40 for someone else. And yeah. I just thought it was yeah. kind of funny because that is that is true for some people. That is a perception. But um, it sounds like you didn't necessarily go down that path. So what did you do? How did you slow yourself down going from 100 miles an hour to like whatever your new speed was? Like, what did you do for yourself? Well, I will say like much like you, it took me a while. Like, I think the biggest step, right, is at least just defining what I want it to be and um, trying to live that way every day even though I know that every day it's not going to be perfect. I mean, um, even the, I used to joke around that like I could set like a speed record for getting up, feeding kids, getting them out the door, getting dressed myself. Like I was like, I was so proud of myself of like how quickly I could do that and like be so efficient. And then when I put into my plan, I want to spend 
my morning, like I want a slow morning. Like I imagined what it would feel like to have a slow morning. And I wrote out what, like, what the feelings I would feel, what things I could be doing. And it was hard at the beginning because I would, I, I would be like antsy, like waiting to like, just, you know, hop online or, you know, get to doing, doing something that I thought was like more productive. But, um, it, you know, again, it took me a while. It probably was about six months before I was, I was able to do it and have a good, um, conversation with myself while doing it. Meaning I wasn't sitting there saying like, could be doing something different. What are you doing? Wasting your time? Like all of those things. So I, and I tell my clients that too, because you, we have this belief that just one day you wake up and you're a new person. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Right. You put down what you want it to be. Know that it's going to take time like that. Your time from now until then is just practice. Just right. practice trying to become the version of yourself or become the version of the routine that you want um, and give yourself grace when it doesn't happen and celebrate sometimes when you did it and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't have one negative thought about spending my morning sitting right. in my chair, reading my book, you know, having my coffee. Oh my gosh. I love that. Give yourself permission to do differently celebrate your success along the way. And mm -hmm. also just, um, I think the routines do help. It's like you said, the practice piece of it is just knowing what your new schedule looks like. And um, so do you have specific routines now? Like are things that you just, you're so disciplined about that you don't want to ever give up? Are there things that you absolutely have to do every day? I think the biggest thing for me is um, organizing my time to where my energy is. So mm -hmm. I am very um, uh, rigid about I don't take um, client meetings in the morning. Um, I, that for me is time where I'm working on myself and I'm doing deep work. Um, and again, like I, I love writing. So I um, write morning pages uh, every day. And so like that's something that I, I, I don't want to give up. And then my afternoons is where I feel like I can be more um, extroverted and I can, you know, give of myself to to others. And so that's really when I spend those those times. And then I also have um, bookend in my weeks. So I don't take any clients on Mondays or Fridays. Uh, it allows flexibility both for, you know, my well-being and, and working on things that I just want to work on that doesn't feel like it has to produce something. Um, so when I do some of my create, like my, more of my creative writing, and also it's when I, especially down the summertime, like I can spend more time with my children or with my family. Right. Both of my parents are are retired. And so... Um, I've really been trying to integrate into my routine, having breakfast um, with them where I never would have done that um, yeah. previously. And so like, those are the, those are the days. Okay. So when I want to have breakfast with my parents, like I try to, you know, book it on a, a Monday or a Friday. I don't feel rushed. I don't feel like I'm, um, you know, cheating myself out of personal time or work time. It fits perfectly. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. I, I do the morning pages myself. Um, I just find that it's one of the best things to do. If you guys don't know Julia uh, Cameron, I think is the author, right? And uh, so amazing book. But the other thing that you, um, when you're talking about follow your energy, so there's um, a book called When by Daniel Pink. I don't know if you read it, but um, the entire book, I think you'd like it because you are already doing this. His entire book is about knowing when you have the greatest amount of energy and then being able to schedule your day and what types of activities you do around it. But also he shares um, on average information. So like when to schedule surgery, when not to go in for surgery, if you have to go to court, like when the most lenient sentences are versus not. Um, it's fascinating and it's like all science-based. So check it out. He's an amazing. Yeah, I'll definitely um, have to do that. Yeah. But one thing um, on average, 2.55 PM is the least productive time for most uh, Americans. So I always say, if you're doing something around three o'clock, it's probably not going to be your best work. It might be a great time to take a break, go do something, go outside, you know, make a cup of tea or coffee or something. So Anyway, a little bit of tidbit, yeah. but I think you'll enjoy it because it sounds like you're already knowing how to do that in your day and also your week, which is beautiful. I mean, well, like a lot I said, of people too, I think, Yeah, I think too, it, what, you know, that takes, do like it takes doing the work to then start just paying attention to those things and making slight tweaks and changes, right? So noticing what's really, you know, um, the, the time of day or what I ate, or did I go, did I work out in the morning? Did I work out at night? So I have become uber aware of all of the things that are around me that, you know, kind of give me energy or, or drain my energy, as well as the type of work that I'm doing. I think too, when I first started, I was expecting to get more into consulting and project-based work. And that's kind of where I started. And then I quickly noticed I was being drained. Like I, the, I didn't want to do that work. It was so draining. The relationship, the engagement that I had with, with clients was, wasn't just what I wanted. And so same thing. I just was like, okay, I got to pay attention. I got to make a change. Like I don't, I don't have to do this type of work if it's not giving me the energy and it's not creating the impact that I wanted. And so that's what also what I've been doing for the last year is just kind of tweaking to the work that I'm doing based off of how I'm feeling and the impact that I feel like it's having on others. Yeah. And it is, it's constantly evolving, isn't it? And I think that that's the beautiful part about entrepreneurship is that it does. Um, So when you decided to leave, you said one thing earlier about some people thought it was a career limiting decision to go to leave what you were doing because you're very successful in what you were doing before and do something different. Um, So what else, um, what are some of the things that people maybe said thinking it was in your best interest and had you listened to them, maybe you would have stayed. Cause I got plenty of advice as well. <laughs> um, I think especially, I think throughout my career, I've heard this and it's one of the areas that I believe that I did a really great job not listening to was picking a lane, just pick one mm-hmm. area and go all in. And right. I think my entire career has been anything but like, I, you know, again, I started out like, you know, in marketing and then moved to transformation and e-commerce. And then I've just, I've done a lot of different things. And I did that because again, that's what gave me energy. And I hated Mm -hmm. feeling like I was boxed in on something. 
-hmm. And it also brought a lot of value every time I went to do the next thing because I had experience that no one else did. I was just adding on top of adding on top of it. So I'm really glad that I didn't listen to that advice because I got that a lot. Um, and I think some of the other advice again that I was was getting that uh, if I if I look back now, I would have um, probably pushed back on is that this belief that I had to um, be the expert, like you know that 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 I needed to be the expert. Um, I needed to be respected and I needed to be liked. And that was one when I was uh, um, kind of coming up that for me, I think I um, strived for that. Uh, I probably could have put my energy elsewhere <laughs> if I had had listened to this idea that I needed to be the expert and I needed to be respected and I needed to be liked and mm-hmm. uh, in order to be successful. Yeah. Isn't it amazing thinking back? Um, you know, we have a finite number of like energy cells, right? What we're able to do in any given day. And when we think back on what we spent our energy on that could have been used for something else that was more productive, um, it's amazing. And some of the things I see all the time with clients and even with organizations is people pleasing, the need to be a perfectionist, um, knowing everything, like you said, sort of being an expert on everything. Um, A lot of these things keep people stuck and they also keep them in a very low energy because it's exhausting trying to be and do all those things. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things you released? What did you let go of where you're like, I don't, there's no room for this anymore in my life. Any of those limiting beliefs or doubts or old stories? I think, um, you know, the, this belief that I, I had to fit into the the mold. Um, again, like I just started, like it was almost like once I committed to being more of who I was every day, I felt I felt more fulfilled and I felt like I was doing more of my best work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really started just to release this this feeling that I had to be like everyone else. Um, in order to be successful. So I always like to share these like little quirky little things, but there was one point in which, um, you know, everyone I was surrounded by, people who were successful, dressed a certain way and acted a certain way. And I did that. And then it was like, like even so much, like I wouldn't wear jeans. I was like, no, 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 I can't wear jeans because the successful people around me don't wear jeans. So I don't wear jeans. And, um, you know, I dressed up every single day. I, my nails were always done. I always tried to look, you know, very polished, um, in that kind of traditional way. And it was like, once I started being like, well, I mean, I like that stuff, but like, I like wearing bright colors and I like, you know, I like to, you know, just wear some more like unique, um, clothing. And I don't like to, um, you know, do certain things that like other people like to do. And, and, and I wouldn't talk about those. Like I never talked about the fact that I wrote, like that I was a writer also, you know? And, um, so yeah, I kind of just like started to let a lot of that stuff go. And every day just tried to be more and more like myself, bringing it more to the forefront. And I just have, and now I really have no time and energy to, to try to be what other people want me to be. I have just gone full in on like, this is who I am. This is how I think about things. Not that I'm not open to learning new things, but this is this is who I am. And so especially now when I work with clients, I think 
um, I'm often met with, you don't, you know, huh, you're not like most of the other, you know, people <laughs> in, in HR. And, and I'm like, yes, you're exactly right. You know, and that's to your advantage. Um, but, but yeah, that, it's those types of things, I think, that are probably the biggest one that I've, I've let go of. And um, there's the perfectionism thing. Uh, I grew up as, I was a gymnast, uh, you know, for almost, uh, say, 15 years. And so that created a lot of perfectionist tendencies oh, yeah. um, that I carried over into, into to school and career. And uh, over time, I think, again, just being in the work that I was in in product management, it's all around just trying things, like knowing going in, it's not going to be perfect. And so I've used that kind of mental model for myself to know that I might have a vision of what I really want it to be, um, kind of that perfect vision, but I'm not trying to create that perfect vision today. I need to create something. And then the next day it's going to be a little better and, and eventually it'll get to where I want it to be. Um, but that's, that's really helped me for sure. Oh my gosh. I love it. So you've talked about your kids and your family. So um, what have they noticed? Do they ever say, Hey mom, you're different. Or do they notice anything about you, you know, before and now as you're working for yourself? I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm around more. Um, I mean, I'm definitely my, my, my husband has, has said how I am a lot more, um, mellow or like, you know, not, I, I'm not carrying a whole lot uh, of stress and anxiety around with me. My kids say I'm around more. I, I used to, you know, jokingly tell the schools, like, don't put me down as the first person to contact, like to put my yeah. husband down. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I was the, I was that parent. And so now being able to, especially during the summertime, um, being able to pick my kids up early and go to the pool, like, you know, I didn't do that stuff. Um, you know, and, and taking them to school and just being there. And, and I feel like I, that's probably the biggest, biggest noticeable change is just being present, being there, um, or integrated into their lives and not bookending the, the morning and the, the evening. Yes, for sure. And I love that you're doing breakfast with your parents. That's, that's amazing. Something yeah. that you can never, you can never get this time back. So it's wonderful to be able to have that. Um, yeah. So the title of this podcast is Live the Width of Your Life. And it's based on a Diane Ackerman quote about living not just the length of your life, but the width of it as well. So what does that quote mean to you? And how do you live the width of your own life? I think for me, how I live the the width of my life is I've always been very attuned to and listen to my curiosity. So I often use that as my guide to like push myself into doing other things um, and kind of just, you know, follow it. Like, where is this going to take me? Where is this going to take me? What is it that I can learn? Um, and that's really helped me kind of push, push myself kind of outside and, and this thought that like, you know, um, feel the fear and do it anyway. You know, there's, there's that. Um, and I think I got to the point in which very similarly, I didn't want to end up at the end of my life and being like, what is it that I like, what impact did I really have? Did I just have a, a career? Did I just have a title? And that wasn't going to be enough for me. And so, again, following my curiosity and, and kind of having that thought, uh, feel the fear and do it anyways. And 
yeah, just this thought that I need to push myself. And I also want to demonstrate that for my, my children too. I think, Mm -hmm. um, I talk a lot about kind of like pushing yourself to, you know, do more things and try things and, um, you know, kind of living your entire life. And I say that to them all the time. Like you don't want, you want to live in your entire life. And, uh, so yeah, I think that for me is, is, is the big piece. Oh, I love it. Follow the curiosity. And, and it is, you know, these kids, what they see us do model is, is what they bring later in life. You talked about the impact your parents and how they modeled certain behaviors when they came to their career and their passions, how it's impacted you. So uh, congratulations, Jessica. I'm so happy to see everything that you're doing. I can tell just by your smile and your energy that you are doing what you should be doing, which is amazing. So Uh, let everyone know how we can best support you. Where can we follow you? Where can we learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I took a little bit of a break over the summer, kind of, uh, slowing things down. Um, but I'm always on LinkedIn, Jessica Baker. Um, you can go to my website, Jessica-Baker and also on Instagram. I'm under the handle workplace rebel. Um, so if you would like to call me, that'd be great. And, uh, again, I'm always up for conversations. And again, it can be about things related to the workplace or careers, but also again, I'm just naturally curious about what other people are up to. So if anyone ever just wants to have a chat, I am always up for that. (laughs) That sounds great. We'll uh, include all of those notes in the show notes below. Um, Thank you again for joining today. I loved our conversation. And if you're listening and you enjoyed today's show, please like it, rate it, share it with friends, people that would enjoy today's story and subscribe so you know when our next episodes are available. Thank you, Jessica. Continued success to you. And uh, I love reading all your posts. So continue leveraging your writing. We love it. Thanks. Have a great day.